scary girl. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Welcome to episode 102. 102. We're chucking along, man. Now it's like 100 isn't even special. We're past it. Done. Moving on. We're cranking them out. I know. It's like, it was like all this big deal. Like, what are we going to do for 100? 100, 100. What are we going to do for 100? A coronavirus. And it's over. It's done. No big deal. Whatever. It's over. And now we're past 100. We're done. No one gives a shit about 102. No one gives a fuck. I do. I do. I give a shit about 102, Sarah. That's why I'm here. I give a shit about all of them going forward. And you know what else I give a shit about? Our website. It's still That's new. right. Can you believe Christina asked me what the website was? You people. Okay, what's the name of this now, podcast? To be fair, it is deadtimestorieswithaz.com. But I guess the, the the first time she went to check it, it wasn't published yet. So she was like, I checked that. And it was I was like, it's it's up now. Like, go check it out. So it's up, whole post. it's up now. It's up now. Deadtimestories.com. And we have merch, so and exciting. we've been getting we some have merch. merch orders. That's what I was gonna say. And so exciting! If we sell this merch, then we're gonna add more merch. More so merch. You guys, some merch. Everything is crazy. Sarah's wearing glasses right now. I like, know. I've been staring at a computer screen all day. Everything is topsy turvy. Stephanie has a top knot. How? I don't know. There's hair up there. I know. <laughs> I know. But it's only it up there. Forward? It's I not in the back. It's only I had forward. it pulled like right here to so, like my forehead almost. So you're like a unicorn um, almost. I know. I keep shaving off more and more of my hair. I'm trying to decide if I'm ready to just get rid of all of it again. Oh, going back? Oh, then we don't have to update our logo. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that's keeping it at this point is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Cinnamon. She's she's a burlesque dancer here in Philadelphia. It's Cinnamon with an S. Um, She is the person who had... I'm literally, my life has changed. I'm not even kidding. She's the person who had the fucking Guy Fieri act yes, last year. You've talked about, you about it on the show. I've never stopped talking about it. I, it, <laughs> it was the best burlesque act I've ever seen. I feel bad, though, for her because she's like, yeah, and now I'm just constantly, like, I'll never top that. Like, what am I going to do? Um, uh, I've peaked. I saw her oh, do no. it. The last show I saw her do, um, uh, she did a number. It was you know that song "Peaches" by the United States of America. Uh, Moving yes. to the country, going yes. to eat. So it was that, and she came out with like peaches in like a little um, basket, and she was just like she was just going through peaches, like like just crazy, like just like eating them up. But I mean, like getting peaches all over herself. And then like she um, at the end had like a giant peach that she like ate, and it looked like she was eating a butt. Yeah. Um, and she's great. She's terrific. But that Guy Fieri never changed my life. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where I was going with this. I was like, I was so where off. is this up oh. to with your top knot and Guy her Fieri? Hair. Her oh, okay. hair. So she has the same haircut that I do, except her hair is really, really long, which is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to grow out just this top part. So she has all of it shaved but the top. And then the top is like down past her boobs. Oh like my it's gosh. super long. And every time I want to shave my head, I look at her Instagram and I see her fucking hair and I'm like, that's what I want to do with my hair. But I don't know how much longer I can like deal. I, I miss being bald. It was amazing. It was a fantastic time in my life and I want to go back to it. I understand. And it's about to get hot again. So. It is. I it got, is about to get I, hot again. I get but that. But it's like, I don't. And everything is closed. Like I can't buy stuff to do fun things with my hair. Yeah. 
because it's not essential. And I'm just like, fuck this mop. Like, I'm so over it. But th- speaking but. of things that have been bought while we're in quarantine, because I've been doing a fair amount of shopping, I bought something and I wanted to tell you what I bought because I feel like you would get a chuckle out of it. And I meant to text I you can't wait. and I didn't. So now I'm going to text you a picture what, of what it is. And then while you get Ooh. it and you look at it, then I can tell you. And I you just need to see the picture to fully understand my joke. All right. I'm doing this all for the joke. So here comes what I bought. So recently I was looking around and I've been in the uh, shopping for a bike and I found one that was on sale and I sent you a picture of it and it's VQ and it's got a little basket on front and it's like a little cruiser mm, I um, and it's this. so cute. Oh, I love and it. I, and I put it up there. and I just wanted to introduce you to um, my new addition. Her name is Carol Bikeskin. Get out. I quit. <laughs> I got on her in my first, it was cool just the first kittens. feeling. I was just like, this is right. Carol Bikeskin. So that's my new addition. Like and we're going out a whole bunch while the weather's nice and trying to stay sane during this quarantine. That it's and hard. still looking up spooky stuff. All of those things are difficult. <laughs> yeah, I I bought a bunch of stuff. Um, I bought so far. I bought two wigs, but the the next one comes tomorrow. It wasn't ready yet, so I got a pink wig, and I got a really long blonde wig. That I had one idea of what I want to do with it, but now the more I think about it, I think I want to do like <laughs> like Lady Gaga, like um like beer can curlers. Oh, nice. In it. Yeah. And just leave it like that. Like, just leave it with the curlers in it. Oh, I like that. Um, that would be fun. I think that'd be really fun. Hi, boy. My son is in here. Aww, I don't have a son if, the, if you're new to the show. It's my cat. Yeah, right. I have one boy and one girl. We're busy. And they're, and they're both cats. Look at y'all and your <laughs> nuclear family. That's, I told Val we were a little nuclear family. You are. It's like we have a mommy and a daddy and a little boy and a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> this is what nuclear families look like in 2020. It's that and then people who also have plants. Yes, plants. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Okay. I can't keep any plants alive. We got to get so. back on track. I feel like I come home with a new plant every day, so. And I'm looking I'm at you and there's a poster behind you right now that has plants, oh, plants. on Am it. I- <laughs> it's. It's just a poster of different kinds of cactuses. And, and look at this. I'm not even going to, like, move my body out of frame. And within arm's reach, there's a plant. There's a plant. <laughs> and I usually get Sarah some sort of plant gift around her birthday and holidays. Anyways, I yes. Love I love plants. And you know what else I love? Ghost stories. Ghost stories. I also stories. made Sarah a little picture for, for her part of her birthday present last year. That oh, said, yeah. Allo, you very much. <laughs> that's on the wall opposite of me. Yeah, plants everywhere, guys. <laughs> plants <laughs> everywhere. All right, Sarah, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready for what, you ask? Ready for what? <laughs> Y'all well, ready, ready to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? God, he's so cute. We're not going to shut up about it. Welcome to the show if you're new. (laughs) Didn't we say that that's how we knew that we had made it? 
Well, he hasn't been on the show, but he's kind of been on the show. So have right, we made it? He's on every episode now. Have we made it? We should have. We should have Eric put him into the closing music. Eric, <laughs> he doesn't listen right now. Um. Like you'll hear the credits, and then at the very end, you'll just hear Leslie Jordan going. Ooh. <laughs> you know what? I could probably do that. Stay tuned. Let's see what uh, happens. Take a listen. We'll see. All right, um, Sarah. Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? I'm talking about a ghost again. Hell I'm trying to bring us back yes. to us. Have you heard of Jenny Wade or the Jenny Wade house? No. Jenny Wade isn't just a weed dealer. She's not a weed dealer at all. Oh, but I was like, weed is dealer, she? <laughs> every weed dealer I've ever had in my phone, I had them as listed Wade. as their first name and then the last name Wade. So it looked like I had this like long family a huge in my phone. family. A huge family. The Wade family. She's really big um, with the Wade family. Some Mormons, so, you know. Uh, so Jenny Wade is not of that Wade family. She's of a different Wade family. <laughs> I guess of the Pennsylvania Wades. So she <laughs> was alive. Uh, she was born in 1843. Um, and it's Jenny with an I-E, I'll have you know. Okay. Okay. Uh, so she was a resident of Gettysburg, Virginia, including during the Civil War. Whoa, that's she the was, one. Why now? So she was born in Gettysburg, and she worked as a seamstress with her mother in their house on uh, Breckenridge Street while her father was in a mental asylum. And she may have been engaged. That's not confirmed, but, like, because, you know, history. It's a long time ago. But uh, she may have been engaged to a Johnston uh, Hastings Skelly, who went by Jack. And he was a corporal Um, in the 80s. Pause. You know what I'm going to say. What? He went by Jack Skelly. Ton. By Jack Skelly. Ton. (laughs) I, I, yeah. (laughs) All right. There you go. That's who he's named after. That's all I got. Um... He was a corporal in the 87th of Pennsylvania who had been wounded two weeks earlier than from what ended up happening to to Jenny. And he died of his injuries on July 12th in 1863, unaware uh, unaware of what happened with his wife. So what happened with his wife? Well, Jenny, uh, her mother and her two younger brothers had left their home in central Gettysburg, and they traveled to the house of her sister, Georgia Ann Wade. Uh, Georgia Anna Wade McKellen at that time, because she got married. Which but was Jenny at stayed behind? No, Jenny went with them. Okay, okay, okay. Um, to Baltimore, 528 Baltimore Street to assist with her uh, baby's newborn, because her sister had just had a new baby. It was July 1st during the first day's fighting of the Battle of Gettysburg, right? (gasps) So they moved. Yeah. So um, the Battle of Gettysburg is known as like it's it was a turning point in the Civil War. But there were a lot of people who died. And of course, this is where Lincoln gave his famous Gettysburg address. Um, But so Gettysburg is known like the Battle of Gettysburg was a huge thing here right uh here being in pennsylvania but also in the united states i don't know where you live so (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have people who are listening in other countries i don't know how they found us but we're glad you're here so 
they were in the thick of it. Their house, or her sister's house, I should say, because they were visiting her sister. Um, mm-hmm. Her sister's house was, like, right in the middle of the battleground. Okay? Oh, my God. So they, that's oh, that's was, unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Uh, so there are more than 150 bullets that hit the, McCle- the McClellan house during the fighting. Um at about 8 a.m. on July 3rd, a day before our country's birthday, Wade was kneading dough for bread. She was making bread for Union soldiers in the house. Wade being Jenny. Mm-hmm. Jenny was um, was making bread, uh, like we're all doing right now, right? I know. We're <laughs> stuck inside. Everybody's making bread right now. So be like, careful. You, know what you we don't want to be Jenny Wade. Carbs. <laughs> um... So she was in the kitchen. She was kneading dough. She was making bread. When a minier ball, which is a kind of bullet, traveled through the kitchen door and the parlor door of her sister's house, and it hit her where she was in the kitchen kneading dough. It pierced her left shoulder blade, mm-hmm. went through her heart, and ended in her corset. Like on the on the front side of her body. So the two doors couldn't stop the bullet, but a corset could. Girl, that's <laughs> why I couldn't breathe. God. Every time you see his period piece where they're putting on a corset, they're like, I can't breathe. It's Remember real. that corset. Now it didn't stop a bullet on the first side, but I guess going through two doors, one side of a corset, a body, once it hit that like it hit that other side of the corset and it was like done. And it was like that's this is enough. <laughs> she was killed. Instantly. Oh my God! She did one minute she's making bread, and the next minute she's waking up wherever. Who knows what happens? While it's uncertain which side fired the fatal shot, like we don't know if she was shot by a Union soldier or a Confederate soldier because it was just a stray bullet. Yeah. Some authors, of course, have contributed it to an unknown Confederate sharpshooter, which I'm like, oh, okay. if it were a sharpshooter, right? Like some sort of which again, guns back then were not what they are now, including their accuracy. But I was like, if it were a sharpshooter, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't know who he was aiming at, right? But like, yeah. he wouldn't have been aiming at her in the kitchen, and he couldn't have because it went through two doors before it hit her. Yeah. Um, but it was a stray bullet. She is the only, at least known. She's the only known civilian casualty of. The, be- the Battle of Gettysburg. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. Wade's mother heard her fall to the floor, and she went to get her sister Georgia in the other room and tell her that her sister had been shot dead. <gasps> Two Union soldiers came from upstairs when they heard the screams of the women. They temporarily buried Wade's body in the backyard of the McClellan house in a coffin that was originally intended for the Confederate General William Barks- uh, Barksdale. In January of 1864, her body was relocated to the cemetery of the German Reformed Church on Stratton Street. Her final resting place is in the Evergreen Cemetery in Gettysburg. On July 4th, I'm assuming the next day, her mother baked 15 loaves of bread with the dough that she had needed for the Union soldiers. So they still used the bread and they still fed the Union soldiers with her bread. Well, I mean, in 18... she, the things, the bullet stopped in the corset, so it's not like she got blood on the dough. On the bread. <laughs> um, in 1882, the United States Senate voted to grant Wade's mother a pension, citing that her daughter had been killed serving the Union cause, baking Aww. bread for soldiers. Well, that's mm-hmm. the least they could do. 
Uh, in November of 1865, Wade's remains were reburied in the Evergreen Cemetery near Jack Skelly. A monument to her designed by Gettysburg resident Anna M. Miller was erected in 1900 that includes an American flag that flies around the clock. The Betsy Ross House in Philadelphia is the only other site devoted to a woman to share this distinction of the perpetual flag because Betsy Ross made the fucking flag. Yeah. The Evergreen Cemetery grave of John L. Burns also flies the perpetual flag, but it's only the two ladies. Um, there's, you know, plenty of dudes. Yeah, sure. America. <laughs> right. America. Uh, now, about the house. So, even though it was the McClellan house at the time, because it was her married sister's house, the house is now known as the Jenny Wade house, mm-hmm. uh, or the Jenny Wade, it's like kind of a museum, but not really, I mean, it's an old house that they've kind of turned into a museum. Um, it's also Haunted AF well, by yeah. Jenny. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> like, she's Jenny. like, I thought I was making bread. What the fuck happened? What just fucking happens? Um, but I was there for like uh, five so like minutes, said, they, and I was like, I guess I'm stuck here forever. I was like, forever. let's go. <laughs> so now it's like a little tiny museum in a house, um, but it's dedicated to talking about what like civilian life was like during the Civil War, mm-hmm. because a lot of what you hear about the Civil War is about the soldiers and like what it was like to be on the front and like the warring families and like brother against brother if one brother was on the Union and one brother was on the Confederacy. Um, But this is a museum that's all about what life was like for regular people during the war who weren't soldiers and how some of them also died. (laughs) Um, You can still see and I'll find a picture of it. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um, But you there is still the hole in the molding. The bullet hole. Oh, from where it hit the um, doors? From where it came through and shot her. Oh, it'd kitchen. be weirdly, morbidly cool if they had her corset still. Oh, I don't know if they have her corset. They do say that there is still, like at Grumblethorpe, there's still blood in the floorboards. Oh, wow. Where she went down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people see her in the kitchen. Like, so what's she it doing? It seems more of like a... like. Right, people really get, like, a glance of her. She's not, like, a screaming lady ghost, which, you know, we hate those. I fucking hate um, them. I know. We, we both did. Both of us are like, I can't stand a screaming lady ghost. Mm-hmm. It, it's upsetting. Um, but people see her in the window. Um, people just kind of see her around the house. She's certainly not a malevolent spirit. Um, and I haven't even really read about people saying they talk to her. There's just a lot of people, like, who just kind of see her around. Like, she just kind of hangs out there still. Um, you know, waiting to be needed. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Get out. Um, but that's the story of Jenny Wade, wow. who is now a ghost. And the Jenny Wade house is in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It's still there. You can go see it. Uh, you can see the bullet hole and maybe even see some blood on the ground. But that's Jenny Wade. And she was the only civilian casualty at the Battle of Gettysburg. It kind of sucks that she was the only civilian casualty and now she's stuck as a ghost in that house. I'd like to think that she gets to leave the house and hang out with the other Gettysburg ghosts. Right? I don't, like, I'd like to think she gets out because maybe I'm just thinking about (laughs) our experience now with COVID and what it's like to be trapped in a house. Oh my God! We're getting a a tiny, tiny taste of what it would be like if we were ghosts. Oh, I I fucking hate it. (laughs) 
don't want to. Right? I, I don't want to be a ghost. I don't want to be a ghost. I don't want to be a ghost. I don't want to be stuck in this house forever. I don't want to be a ghost. Can you imagine if oh you're a ghost God. that's stuck in an object like the Dybbuk box and you're stuck in a box? What about a fucking painting? What oh if you're my, stuck in a painting? Oh, my God. I hate it. I don't want it. Ugh. Well, well, on that Jenny. note, <laughs> thanks, Jenny. We hope it's working out better for you, girl. Stephanie, guess what else we have this week? Is it a promo? It is a promo. I didn't ruin the surprise, did I? No. I mean, okay. it was gonna, that was the answer no matter what, whether you said it or I said it. Yep, we got another promo coming at you this week, and this week's promo is from our good friend over at October Pod. Go check him out. He's pretty freaking awesome. Um, he's a huge supporter of our show, so go and give him a listen. Here's a little taste. This is Edward October for October Pod, take one. We know a remote farm in Lancaster where Mrs. Buckram lives. Every July, pumpkins grow there. You really mean that? I think you're reading the wrong script. You're supposed to be telling folk about Octoberpod. Let me, um, let me get you a copy of the new script. <clears throat> but, but that's bad copy. I think it's so nice that you see a snow-covered field and say every July, pumpkins grow there. Ed, what are you, what are you looking at? What snow-covered field? This is an audio promo. Edward October for Octoberpod, take two. We know of a fjord in Norway near where the cod gather in great shoals. There, Jorg Tostensen frees the cod, adding a crumb-crisp coating. Ooh, that's tough. Crumb-crisp coating. Let's just talk about Octoberpod. You see, Ed, I was thinking... Ed wasn't drinking! What? I said thinking. I was thinking we should just talk about your show. You know, Octoberpod? Retro horror for bold individualists? I didn't say anything about drinking. You didn't say it. He said it. Who are you talking to? Your friend. There's no one else in here. Edward October for October Pod, take three. This is a lot of shit. You know that, don't you? <clears throat> now, you want another one on what? Peas? Stream October Pod, available now on YouTube, Vimeo, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podchaser, and at OctoberPodVHS.com. October Pod, retro horror for bold individualists. So I guess when it comes to this other podcast, uh, you're telling them to take a listen. <laughs> them being our listeners. What is he? Yeah. Sarah hates me right now. Her face. Ooh, she hates it. I, I do. And you know what else? If you were to try to pull that shit with like a best of take a listen, there is 102 episodes worth of content. I'm not doing it. There it what is. if we got popular enough that this was our whole job? Would you do it then? What if we got popular enough where we had a listener who did it for us? That sounds great. Ooh, y'all wanna y'all ready to edit some ghost stories? They're like, no, we're not. We're definitely They're not. Like, no, it's been cool though. I like listening to you on my way to work. Yeah, but that's all I got. I also if you're on your way to work at this time. I would love to get some more fan art, but you know. I love fan art. We've gotten some. I love some. fan art. We have gotten some. It's slowed down. It's fine. It's true. I was going to say, and not just from Christina. Do you remember the picture my friend Lindsay did? Yes. Where it was like us at the table. I right? love it. Oh my God. Yeah, With they're the so great. Fuzzy pink handcuffs. Ugh. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. We need more. Send us some artwork. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Ooh, this week I've got a pretty interesting case. Um, taking it out back to true crime, a full-on murder, and we know who did it, so I'm not going to leave you hanging. 
Um, I love it. This is one that, again, I found down that rabbit hole that I've got on Reddit that Reddit so graciously supplied me with, which is more information than I could probably get through in a long time. So this one is known as the murder of Peter Porco, or also known as the Porco Cates, and it's spelled P-O-R-C-O. So this is November 15th, 2004. Law clerk Peter Porco didn't show up for work, so his colleague drove out to the home that he shared with his wife, Joan, to check in on him. Peering in through the front door window, the colleague saw Peter's body sprawled on the floor in a puddle of blood. Now, the Porco family consisted, uh, consisted of Peter, the dad, Joan, the mom, and they lived in Bethlehem, New York. They had two kids, Jonathan, who was 23 years old and who was employed as an on a nuclear submarine ship, and Christopher, who was 21, a student at the University of Rochester, which was about 230 miles away from where they lived. Yeah. Little bit about Christopher, their youngest son. He was not super great with money. So there was tension between him and his not. parents over loans that he had taken out to finance things such as his yellow Jeep Wrangler, um, where he had forged their signature as co-signers. So he was taking out a lot of loans. He was co-signing their name and doing things like buying his like almost $17,000 tacky yellow Jeep Wrangler. He had also failed to tell them that he had been suspended from university because of his lack of good grades. So he had lost his tuition for that year, which was around $30,000 because he got suspended and he wasn't allowed to come back. And to be able to come back again, he had to pay another $30,000, which he took out a loan for, co-signed his parents' names, and told his parents that the university was going to go ahead and pay that tuition money and that he was fine when, in fact, he had taken out a loan for it and used their names again. Two weeks before the murder, Chris received an email from his dad, Peter, confronting him about these forgeries. The email said things such as, Did you forge my signature as a co-signer? I want you to know that if you abuse my credit again, I will be forced to file forgery affidavits. However, the message was still concluded with his father saying, we may be disappointed in you, but your mother and I still love you and we care love about you, your future. Yeah. yeah. But by this point, Christopher had a plan and it was a plan where he could pay back his loans and he could get a little bit of money in the process. His parents had a life insurance policy combined of around a hundred, uh, not a hundred, just one million dollars. Damn. So, in the early morning hours of November fifteenth, two thousand and four, he left his dormitory, got in his Jeep Wrangler, and made the three-hour trip back home. They believe that he entered the house, he deactivated the burglary alarm, and he went upstairs to his parents' bedroom. While his mother was sleeping, he struck her in the head three times with an axe breaking her jaw, destroying one eye, and penetrating her skull deeply enough to expose her brain. He then moved on to his dad, striking his father 16 times in the head. Then to finish the job, he cut the phone lines, smashed the burglar alarm, and smashed a window, cutting a hole in the screen. With the crime scene now made to look like a break-in, he packed up and he sped back to his dorm in Rochester. My God, like nothing happened. Yes, well, like a break-in happened, and he was at school. And, oh no, my parents are dead. Yeah. However, 
November 15th, the morning rolls around, and Peter Porco, who had just been struck with an axe 16 times, got up and began his daily morning chores, seemingly oblivious to the wounds what? that he had suffered the night before. Oh! Oh! Oh, no! Sarah! As though it were a map, we have crime scene photos of the blood dripping around, showing us the exact route that he took and all of the things he did before he finally succumbed to his wounds. Peter got up. He went to the bathroom, like you would normally do. He stood over the sink for what seemed to be a nice little amount of time. They think maybe he was contemplating shaving his face, checking his hair, going about all of his normal daily routines. Now, where were his, his, where were his wounds? All on his head. That's what I thought. So he suffered head wounds. Um, if I'm not mistaken, his jaw was broken, slashed open, hanging down. He was bleeding profusely that you can look at the, you can Google the crime scene photos and they will show you the blood trail that went from the bedroom to the bathroom. Then he went to the kitchen. He loaded the dishwasher. He packed his lunch. He wrote bank checks to pay parking tickets for his youngest son, Christopher. Then he stepped outside to get the newspaper and apparently locked himself out. But thankfully, he remembered that they kept a spare key under one of the potted plants in the front, and he was able to let himself back inside. It was not too long after this point that he finally succumbed to his wounds, and he died falling face first down on the floor in the entryway, where he was then seen a few hours later by his colleague. Oh my god. Oh my god! When the police arrived, they found Peter dead downstairs, and they went upstairs to find his wife, Joan, still in the bed where she was attacked. She was alive and conscious. What? Before parent, yep, she was alive and conscious. Jaw was broken, eye was destroyed, and she had a slice in her skull deep enough to show her brain. Before the paramedics arrived, the detective, Detective Bodish, questioned her about her attacker, and in the presence of himself and paramedics, she nodded yes when asked if it was her younger son who attacked her and her husband. Oh my God. Oh my God. How did they survive that? So it's in a weird way. They say that it was just like a part of his brain that almost like Mike the Headless Chicken. Like it just right, hit. I was say, it has to be like some lizard brain, like it just hit. Like, like it was stuff that it was all muscle memory. Yep, it was enough, you know, stuff that's buried deep down enough in your memory. And then he was in such severe shock, he just didn't. He didn't feel the pain. He didn't notice. But he didn't notice his jaw hanging off. Complete severe like, trauma. Forget, forget, like he missed. He all didn't this. notice because his brain was. No, he was and I hurt. Get, no, I know. He even I looked know, at himself in the just, mirror. Like you said, they they talked about him looking at himself in the mirror, and I'm just like, how long was he there, and what was his brain like going through when he was when he was there? I mean, we don't know for sure. 
We can never, I was like, there's no way we could ever know. But we know that he then went down and was like, I got to load the dishwasher and make my lunch for the day. And I got to make sure I pay these parking tickets for Christopher. He's got enough debt as it is. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The part that gets me is the fact that he went outside, he got locked out. And he remembered where the spare key was. He had the wherewithal right to get the spare key. But apparently that was like the last of his brain's resources because he walked back inside and was like, out, done, finished. What? It also makes me wonder <laughs> if like like his wife, what? if he could have been saved if someone had found him sooner. You know, like was there any chance? I don't think either of them could have been. There's no way, right? Like She's alive. She's still alive? A news reporter, back to the story. (laughs) Back to the timeline of the story because I'm not even done. According to Christopher, a news reporter is the one who first informed him of the attack. Chris then rushed back from Rochester for his third time in like 24 hours. Rushed back from Rochester to see his mother who had undergone 12 hours of surgery and reconstructive facial surgery. He told the police that he had been sleeping in the lounge of his dorm during the time of the assault. But detectives already had the head nod from his mom, so they started going to work. And investigators found multiple points of evidence that point towards Christopher. Christopher. Number one, investigators found surveillance footage of his tacky fucking yellow Jeep. That supported the fact that he wasn't in his dorm during the hours that the attack could have happened. The video shows him leaving his dorm and returning within the timeline. Someone, in quotes, had burglarized the Porco's home within the past two years. Items that were stolen were included a Macintosh computer that was later sold in one of uh, later sold by one of Chris's eBay accounts. So he used to sell shit on eBay and he would also forge his brother's name as an eBay account. And then when he didn't sell the goods to people and they started to complain, he pretended to say that his brother had died and that's why he didn't send the stuff out. So number three, Chris had recently sought financial advice shortly before the attack, telling the investment agent that he would soon be coming into some money. Oh, my God. He's such an idiot. Who says that that isn't about to murder somebody? It sounds like... how else would you know that you're about to come into some money? Honestly, I feel like it's something that, like, someone in the Bluth family would do. Go see a financial advisor before someone dies or they have someone killed to get their insurance money. And they're like, oh, you know, just because in the future, I'm about to come into some money. Wink, wink. Right. Oh, my God. He's oh not a smart God. man. The trials began in July of 2006. Um, it is known that there was no actual DNA evidence found at the crime scene. It is believed that... Christopher wore vet scrubs, which he worked as a vet tech at the time. He wore vet scrubs and then disposed of them uh, shortly after the assault. So there was no DNA evidence. Christopher showed up to court in July of 2006 with his mother by his side. She now changed her story, saying that she'd never recalled nodding, saying that Christopher did this, and she would never believe that her son would commit such a heinous act as to harm his mother and his father. What the fuck is this story? 
She maintained that while Christopher's financial uh, misdeeds and forgeries angered her and her husband, they all loved one another and wanted to work on their relationship. Oh my fucking God. In fact, after his first 2005 indictment for second degree murder and attempted murder, his mother managed to scrape together $250,000 for his bail. And throughout the entirety of his court trials, he walked his mother arm in arm into that courtroom. Oh, fuck yourself. Holy shit. None of that helped. However, none of that helped. And a jury quickly convicted Christopher on the strength of the timeline the prosecution constructed, which showed here's him leaving the university in his Jeep. We assume that at this point... He got home. He did X, Y, and Z. Here's the proof that he severed the phone line at this time. Then he got back in his Jeep. Here's him showing back up at the university, and it all fits within this timeline. And the jury was like, yep, makes sense. They're like, yeah, that's him. He was sentenced to 50 years to life and is currently still serving that in Danamora, New York. His mother still maintains that she believes her son is innocent. What's the dad's name again? Peter. Well, call me Peter because my jaw has dropped. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get out. Now, now, when did that happen? Two, what year? He murdered them in 2004, and he was uh, convicted in 2006. They made a um, a made-for-TV movie named yes, The Romeo they Killer. They called him The Romeo Killer because he looks like a lot of them, just like a very basic, good-looking white dude. Mm. But he murdered his parents. The At Romeo Liz- Straight-up Lizzie bordened him. them. Like, he took yeah, an he axe did. and just went at them. Well, he hit his mom three times, hit his dad 16 times. All because he was in debt. And yeah, and his dad got up. That is insane. You can Google the Porco case or the murder of Peter Porco. You can see these crime scene photos without bodies. There are no bodies in them. It will just show you the blood trail. Um, And yeah, he was he was up for a while doing his chores before he finally succumbed to his wounds. It's amazing what the human brain will do. Right, I'm just like, I can't And what the human body will do. Because he's also running on adrenaline, so it's another reason why he's, like, moving. Yeah. But yeah, that part of your brain, so they call it the lizard brain, right? And it's also mm-hmm. what would have kept Headless Mike alive. It's your brain stem, so it's at, like, the base of your brain at the top of your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where, like... They call it the lizard brain because it's the oldest part of your brain, right? Mm -hmm. Like, dinosaurs had this brain, and all the brains basically since then have grown upward, which is why human brains, right, are so complex because we've grown from this little piece up into here, which is full of all these cognitive things and personality and whatever, all these different things. But your most basic things, like breathing and, like, walking, your motor skills, all that stuff is stored in the back. So if there was no damage to that, Right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense as to, like, why he was still capable of doing those kinds of things. And, like, the But not any, like, cognitive, like, functioning of thinking, like, oh, my God, what's happening to me? Yeah, it was just, like, like, this is what I do. It was basically just his body walking around. Yeah, they called him, like. His body was used to doing it. The living dead, yeah. Oh, my God. That is fucking crazy. Yep. Isn't that insane? (sighs) 
Like, <laughs> my mind is blown. It has a like, lot, blown. like, that story has a lot of twists and turns, because you're like, crap, he killed his parents. Oh my god, the dad did that. Oh my god, the wife was alive? She's still alive? She thinks her son didn't do it? Like, it just keeps my, going. Well... My favorite part about this is, uh, you're going to edit it out, but we had some connectivity issues in the middle there. We did. Where you talked about, like, what he was doing and, like, going downstairs and prepping the, the dishwasher. And then when we got connected, you were like, I just feel bad because, like, the big climax is gone. <laughs> and I was like, are you fucking kidding? There's, like, six climaxes. <laughs> I know, but it would so much better if I wasn't interrupted. Every part of that was a, that was a fucking roller coaster. I know. I know. That's crazy. I'm so, like, that's my I story. Am <laughs> I am shooketh. You're welcome. Um, my wig is over there because it's been snatched. <laughs> you, yeah, it's been snatched, grabbed, and tossed. I like can't even wrap my head around this. I know. That's why I was like, I found this, and I was like, ooh, yeah. That's fucking crazy. That's yep. crazy. Yep. That's crazy. <sighs> that's crazy, girl. That's crazy. So yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Hope I'm leaving you with a good taste in your mouth. Um, speaking of a good taste in your mouth. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to do a thing that I haven't done in a long time because I mentioned, I thought about it earlier and I was like, I don't think I ever did that. So um, probably hasn't been here in like 50 episodes. I would say but longer, a, but okay. Longer, but I'm going to bring back the Fetish Five. Oh my God. Like just today. Just I don't right know now. It's going to come back. Yeah. Because I thought, uh, because lately I keep bringing up this fetish, <laughs> and then I was like, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show. So, are you familiar with figging? What? No. Figging? It's F-I-G-G. Like, like a fig. Like a fig, but But, but it's used like a, a verb. Okay. Okay. Yes. Figging. Um... I went to look up more about it to talk about it and learned a little bit about the history of figging, oh. and I'm like... Didn't know that was a was a thing. So figging is a fetish that people do, um, and it is the practice of inserting. Now I'm bringing this up because Val bought a, a box of this recently. Where I was like, "What are we gonna do with literally all of that?" And then in my head, I keep being like, "Figging," and I'm like, "No, we're not." <laughs> what is it? And what did Val order? <laughs> Figging is the practice of inserting a piece of skinned ginger root into the human anus or the vagina in order to generate an acute burning sensation. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Val recently bought a big old box of ginger, and I'm like, what the fuck are we going to do with all this ginger? And I'm like, well, put it up our butts? And I'm like, no. <laughs> put it in my butt. <laughs> now, originally... So there, it had two uses in the past. Now it's just kinky shit. Like, people use it for that. Um, it has been used as a method of corporal punishment, which I'm like, oof. Um, now, it doesn't... Um, it was first used as a form of discipline on, uh, on female slaves in ancient oh. Greece. And the detainee was restrained to varying degrees in order to restrict mobility while the sensation grew from uncomfortable to extreme. Mm-hmm. The ginger, which is skinned and often carved into the shape of a butt plug, like the even in the picture on um, 
I wouldn't say it's the shape of a butt plug. Uh, the picture on Wikipedia, it almost looks like a tiny little steak. And when I say steak, I don't mean meat. I mean like a wooden yeah, steak. Yeah, like you what you would stab a vampire with. So it's yeah. like like to a point, right? Yeah. It causes an intense burning sensation and often intolerable discomfort in the oh, subject. Oh. The effect reaches climax within two to five minutes after insertion and persists for around 30 minutes before gradually easing. Mm. The ginger, after use, can be further skinned and used to extend the experience. Each fresh application of the ginger root refreshes the duration of the sensation in the subject. If the person being figged tightens the muscles of the anus, the sensation becomes more intense. No, that's not fair! It is often used in caning to stimulate clinching of the buttocks. Um, now the thing is, it's stim- it, it, it causes the sensation of burning, but it won't actually burn you. So it won't leave you with any chemical burns, and it won't like scar you. But it feels like it's burning your butthole. Oh. But then if you clench because you're in pain, it makes it worse. Worse. And all right. Oh. Mm. Now, as barbaric as those, um, like, those uses are, it was also used um, on horses and uh, in some places still is used on horses. Um, the term figging comes from a British term. I want to say it's, it's just spelled differently. I'm like, I don't think it's still pronounced figging. It's like faging or fuging, um, also known as gingering or gingering the tail. Um, and it was done to horses to make them hold their tail up when they walk so they look all prancy. But it's because they're burning their butthole? But it's because you're burning their butthole oh. or their vagina. Oh. Historically, the process, the purpose of which was often to make an older horse behave like one that was younger or to temporarily liven up sick or weakened animal that was um, that they were like trying to sell and make it look like it was like, look, he's spry. They... Still, on show horses, they still do something like it. Um, They don't still put ginger up their horses' butts, but they have a paste that's called gingerol. It's like a ginger paste. Mm -hmm. For the halter horses in the Arabian uh, Arabian and American saddlebred breeds, high-tail carriage and animation are desired traits. However, nearly all horse show sanctioning organizations in the U.S. explicitly forbid gingering and have the authority to disqualify a horse who's been gingered mm. or who's been figged. Mm. While some areas may be less than rigorous about enforcing the rule, tests such as ginger swabbing may be done to detect the presence of ginger in the anus. So they will check and see if that horse has had ginger in its butt. They're going to swab it. While it's not entirely reliable, concerns of being detected by anal tests has led some horse handlers placing the irritant in the vagina if the horse is a mare. A modern veterinary dictionary notes that vaginal placement is more effective than anal insertion because the irritant is likely to remain in place longer, but concludes that gingering would be considered to be an act of cruelty in any civilized community. So so that's why are, so people are doing it now voluntarily to each other? So now, yes. So now it is still a practice that's carried out, but it is carried out um, by consenting adults as part of, like, a BDSM act where, like, you enjoy, you know, people who enjoy pain or people who enjoy being degraded or whatever, people who are into that. Yeah. Um, this is a thing that they do, which is they put a ginger root in their butt 
and it feels like it's burning, but it doesn't actually burn you. I mean, it hurts like the sensation hurts, but it doesn't actually like harm their body. It just is really uncomfortable and feels like burning. Huh. Uh, to each mm. their own. To each their own fig. <laughs> to each their own fig. And that's called figging. Mm, okay. um, we're not going to do that in my house, but we have a bunch of ginger root, and I don't know what to do with ginger, and that's all that keeps going into my mind. But I don't want to do I'm that. Like, no. I don't want to do that. Go find stuff um, to use the ginger for that doesn't include putting but, it in your butt. Right? Um, but that's figging, Sarah. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> I was like, how did I forget figging? Oh, how? How? Oh, my God. How? Right? I was like, I used to hear about it on Tumblr all the time. It's because Tumblr like, hasn't been in your mind. Or, like, pictures of people's faces, like, while they were figging. So, like, I didn't see, like, the fig. I didn't see the ginger, like, in their butt. You just but saw, I saw them their wincing. Face, like, uh, right. Uh, yeah. I can make that face and not stick ginger up my butt. I can make that face just thinking about it. I don't need to put anything in my butt it. to make that face. That's true. Oh, it's true. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> I'm, I'm clenched for the day. Let's wrap up this fig. We'll slice it down. Do it wrap up this fig. Put it in a togo box. That's my box. A togo box. So this has been Dead Time Story. I was like, okay, so thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, don't fig. I mean, unless you're into that. I'm not going to yuck your yum. We're not going to yuck But we have an awesome, yum. awesome new website now. You can find us at deadtimestories with, with a Z. A Z. Dot com. You can find merch there, and all the episodes are going up. It's awesome. Sarah is working super hard on it and making it look really good for you. So buy some and merch. Do it. And, of course, uh, the best way you can support our show is to buy some merch yes. or subscribe to our Patreon page. And we have Patreon subscriptions that start as low as a dollar a month. So just a dollar a month, you get access to our Facebook group, which is the Patreon-exclusive Facebook group. We have a lot of fun on there. Yeah, we do. And then, of course, you can also, we know it's hard times with corona and just life. You know, it's whatever. I don't know your life. The other way you can support our show is to write us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends how great this show is. But... Make it five stars and talk about how good it is, and that'll help us with our algorithms and people finding us and stuff. Yes. Of course, you can also email the show, and that would make Sarah's day brighter, mm -hmm. which is deadtimestories, with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. We're on all the things. And, yeah, am I forgetting anything? No, I think that's it. I think that's it, too. That's all of it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 